Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. JJ and the Bear Podcast here today. JJ Cooper. Bear. Josh Norris, otherwise known as Bear. Bear. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking uh, pro prospects today. Haven't had a chance to do that in a while. Been a little bit... Draft draft heavy. Uh, draft heavy for the last couple of days. But before we do that, we do want to remind you that right now we're having a special offer. You can get an extra month free with any subscription uh, to Baseball America online or the magazine. So check out that baseballamerica.com slash store. You can get a free extra month. That's, now, that's amazing. Now, now Bear, uh, I'll ask you. We got, we got All-Star Games coming up next week, which is going to be pretty exciting. You're heading to... Uh, Wilmington, Delaware for the Cal Carolina League All-Star Game, which will feature California League, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Joe Ross, others. Unfortunately, no Julio Urias, I don't think. No Julio Urias. Uh, Carolina League, Gallo is gone, but, you know, that's okay. That's okay. We have Courtney Hawkins. We have Tim Anderson. um, Probably a lot of more Pelicans. Jorge Alfaro is going to be there. Basically, it's going to be a very star-studded affair. In lovely Wilmington. And I'll be in Hickory, South Atlantic League All-Star Game, um, which is a little more bereft this year than, than some other years, but there'll still be some uh, some interesting guys to watch there. And we'll also have a correspondent at the Midwest League All-Star Game, kind of hitting some of the big ones. Uh, but So it'll be a very fun week next week with that. But we're starting here today. One of the things that we've both enjoyed all year, and especially recently, is the home run race. The great minor league home run chase, which I have uncreatively dubbed it. Yeah, you're very creative there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Joey Gallo, right now, who's now been promoted to double A. Mm-hmm. And his homer in his first two double A right. games. He's, he's already trying. He's like, well, you know, maybe I still can win the Texas League crown, even at the, you know, at the halfway point. No, he's not going to win the Texas League crown. But he already has. He might. <laughs> If Bryant gets promoted quickly, uh, there is a chance at least. Bryant's not in the Texas League. He's in the Southern League. Oh, yeah, suddenly. You're right. What am I thinking? Yeah, he's in. Um, that was dumb on my part. But uh, but Gallo's got 23. Bryant with 22. Pete, Pete Peter O'Brien. O'Brien 22. 20. Adam Duvall. Uh, Fresno with 20. That's four guys with 20 home runs in the minor leagues. At this date last year, the leaders were uh, at 18 apiece. And no, he, Joey Gallo at this day had 20. Oh, I'm sorry, yesterday, during yesterday's play. Yeah. You, you uh, didn't allow for the two that you got to hit right. on June 11th last year. So I went back and actually looked, 2005 to present. This isn't outlandish beyond anything we've ever seen before, but to have three guys at 22, we hadn't had a year in the past where three guys have been at 22. We have had more, got, you know, more homers at this point. Um, Brad Eldridge shows up in that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mike Hessman shows up a couple mm-hmm. of times. Uh, George Mike, Springer shows up a lot. Yeah, not a lot. Not one, a lot, but one you know, year enough. Uh, Mike Stanton. Uh, back then he was Mike Stanton. Now it's Giancarlo. But back then it was Mike Stanton uh, was leading at this point one year with uh, I think nineteen. Mm-hmm. But so we're not like seeing home run. The home run leaders are at a whole different pace than anything we see. But they're playing a game of who can top this, basically. And when, when Gallo homers, there was one. There was a, a couple hours where Bryant and Gallo were tied, and then I didn't even know because I'd, I'd gone to sleep. 
but Gallo had a walk-off home run. It's, I don't, I don't need this tie. I'm going to take the outright lead, 23 for me. And he didn't home run last. He didn't home run last night. O'Brien didn't home run last night. Bryant didn't home run last night. Crazy day. But Duvall did. So he got it into 20. That makes four with 20 home runs. So it's been a crazy year in the minor leagues so far. I been a fun year. Yeah. And even though it's been a really injury plagued year, it has been a a frustratingly injury filled year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just look at the the top ten. I, we have Byron Buxton hasn't missed the whole year, but he effectively missed it. the whole year. Miguel Sano has missed the whole year. Miss, Miguel Sano has missed the whole year, and then we, that doesn't count when we get into the Jamison Tyones. Mm-hmm. And we could we could sit there listing Archie up. Bradley has missed a lot of time. Max Freed hasn't pitched yet mm-hmm. this year. There's a drop lot. off here, but Mac Williamson, Tommy John surgery. Yeah, okay, that, that's a that's a canyon drop off there. But, oh, yeah. he's a prospect. <laughs> he is a prospect. Um, but uh, you know, Daniel Winkler, our last year minor league strikeout leader, not a giant prospect, but he's. TJ, he's out for the year. Um, you know, Eddie Butler comes up to the big leagues. Congratulations, and then goes on the DL with a shoulder problem. Mm-hmm. It's just been a, a pretty injury filled year. But despite that, we still have had you know, and, and and because of that, you know, when we do calls, I, I have noticed like Midwest League. Midwest League was outstanding last year, as about as good as anyone remembers Midwest League being. You had Buxton, you had Correa, you had Almora, you had. I mean, you could just keep going. This year, not so outstanding. No. Um, South Atlantic League, not an amazing you know year for the ages in the South Atlantic League this year. Carolina League was pretty good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Southern League's got Bryant. Southern, Southern League, one of the best years of the Southern League. Last two years for the Southern League has been outstanding. This year we got Bryant, and he's leading in like ten offensive categories. And then my boy Jake Lamb, who's got a couple categories for himself. He's got doubles. I think he's got something else, but he's. Steady hitting 314, 400. I think he's slugging up near 500. And if Bryant is not in the Southern League, we're talking a lot more about Jake Lamb. And yes, we should be talking he more about Jake Lamb. He is in the Southern League, so we're not talking much at all about Jake I <laughs> am. Um, but uh, I, I do think that the year, this has been the year of the Cal League. Cal League, you look at Correa, Urias, well, that, that Lancaster team, Correa, McCullers. Uh, Velasquez has been hurt. Teoscar Hernandez, Rio Ruiz. I mean, that's a that's a pretty my boy Dan Vasquez, Last night, five for five with four runs, a couple doubles. I, I'm not a big Vasquez believer, so I'll let him be your your boy. You obviously did not see the short film, Danry. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, I have seen it on the roundup. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, um, if you, by the way, if you have not reading, if you're not reading the roundup, you're you're missing uh, uh, special... an insight into the. Uh, the special world that is the uh, the world of the bear, um, but uh, but you know it's been a really good year. Urias Seager, oh yeah, Seager. Uh, Jesse Winker's having a really good year mm-hmm. for Bakersfield. There's a lot of guys in the county. Like, I'm leaving some out when I just on the top of my head just rattle them off. But but it's been a, a good year for you know for the Cal League. It's been again. It's been a good year even despite uh, a pretty massive amount of injuries. We're excited. We're we're not that far away. You know we're having All Star games next week. We'll have Futures game about three weeks from now, so that'll be fun, you know, mm-hmm. coming up. And we have a lot of questions, so this is going to be kind of a, uh, some of this at least will be a question and answer uh, podcast here for JJ and the Bear. Um, we're going to start with a question I got, uh, I've already answered this a little bit on Twitter, but uh, but I, I think that, you know, that, that you can kind of weigh in as well. Frogman Matt asked, uh, what kind of prospect do you see Joey Gallo being? Okay, 
And then he asked, he kind of followed up, he was wondering if the glove was good enough or is he going to be a DH, which... I don't think he's going to be a DH. No, he's not going to be a DH was my answer. There's no... no you, you, maybe he's not a third baseman when it's all said and done. But it's not like written in stone. Right. It's like... I did a study about shortstops when the season started that the thing with the shortstops that jumped out was is if there's a suggestion he might be moving, there's about a 70% chance that he's going to move. I don't know if that's true of third baseman yet or not. I haven't done the same study, but... If you say even that, so that would put him at a, if that's true, if it translated over, so he has a 30% shot stands third base, let's say, because there is, you get guys who say, I think he can stay there. You get other guys who say, he's going to end up being too big. You get, you know, different, you know, maybe he starts there and moves. But the point of it all is, is wherever, he's going to move to another position. It's not going to, yeah, you're not going to sit him as a DH. And if you put him in a corner, he obviously is going to profile there with the power potential. Oh, I mean, by corner outfield, or you know, he, it'd be a waste to put his arm at first base. But yeah. at the absolute worst case scenario, he's a first baseman. I think if you decided he couldn't play, he got too big for third base. I think the first thing you do though is just say, "Hey, let's put you out in right field." And by the way, you'd have one of the best right field arms in baseball. With, but maybe not the best in the division, even. Josh no. Reddick. No, Josh Reddick and Cespedes is like... I'm um, not a right fielder, so... I was like, uh, if it wasn't for him, I'd be the best arm in the right field, but I'm playing left because of that dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but Joey Gallo, as I posed in the roundup the other day, just take a minute, readers, and think about what kind of monster you would have on your hands with a guy who, if he sticks at third base, with 50 home run power. Yeah, you've got a monster. You've got last year's Chris Davis if he were at third base, <laughs> basically. Right. Again, my skepticism of why I would be skeptical he's going to be third baseman long term is just usually guys with that kind of power, they end up moving off the position largely because it's like, okay, you can either stay really trim to stay at third base or you can get bigger and hit more homers. And I, I just go back to, you know, if you look at the guys who, a number of the guys who have uh, ended up uh, moving off. Eben Encarnacion was a third baseman coming up. His power really kind of, in some ways, was unlocked when he got around to uh, to being a first baseman predominantly. Um, you know, Jim Tomei was a third baseman coming up, and at some point they went, you know, let's, you know, let's let's let him just play first base and uh, enjoy the power. Is that a good comp for Gallo? No. Jim Tomey? I, I don't think so. I, I, from the standpoint of, I, I don't like, you know, for one, he's, he's significantly, I, I think he's going to, you know, he's, I think he's more athletic, to be honest with you. Um, but the other is, is that Gallo this year has really improved his walks. But I, I'm not ready to say that, I mean, the thing that stood out with Tomei to me was is that Tomei was always, I mean, he did, he did hit 140 in his big league debut. I think on 140 on the dot. Um, if I can remember that correctly, because I was right when I was breaking into my uh, 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 APA league, uh, and I had Jim Tomei. But um, but I, he always posted monster on base percentages. I think that Gallo will post high on base percentage potentially because of the fear factor. But I don't know if it'll be that high because it was like four forties for for Tomei at, at, at his best. Um, I don't know who to say is the you know. It, it's fascinating to me. The thing I love is is that we were talking about this on Twitter. Um, he's at just at J Norris four two seven. I'm at JJ Coop thirty six. But talking on Twitter, the night that Gallo hit his uh, walk off uh, home run in his first double A game, 
and there was kind of talk on uh, someone throughout the questions like, has anyone run away with Player of the Year like Chris Bryant's running away with Player of the Year this year? And it's like Joey Gallo, hello, yeah, Mookie Betts, hello. This is not a runaway Player of the Year. This is a fascinating. It's awesome because this might be a tie. The the best production this year is coming from guys who are absolute top of the scale prospects too. Usually, they're for the Baseball America Player of the Year, which we minor league Player of the Year, which we won't have to pick for a good long while now. But there's a sliding scale. The it's got to be a, a you, Daniel Winkler was the, was the strikeout leader last year. Daniel Winkler could have struck out 350 guys, but if his scouting report was what it was, he wasn't going to be minor league Player of the Year. Or last year you had uh, Buxton won it. And Springer uh, was second. Right. But Chris Colabello, based on his numbers alone, was in the conversation. Right. But Chris Colabello is not going to win our right. minor league player of the year because he's 11 years older than Buxton was. You know, it's, right. It's just not. And this year you could have, if, if he goes on a tear and wins it, Adam Duvall. There's another guy. But when you, but have, when you have Bryant and Gallo and basically putting together the two best seasons right now statistically, which are almost identical statistically, and they're also premium prospects, that's the best kind of battle for minor league player of the year. But those guys, there is a, I, I don't know about you, but again, we're a long way away from having to pick this, but there is a paper-thin margin between picking, you could say Bryant has done it at a higher level because he's been at double A all year. You could say Gallo did it in high A, but he's two years, almost two full years younger. You could argue either way. It might come down to if one of them gets popped to play in the major leagues. And you'd have to say Bryant would be more likely of those two because he's already spent, yeah, he's got more time in he's spent half a year in double A. I mean, at this point, reality is, is that we get, we're getting around to the time where promotions start happening. I, I would actually, I'll be honest, at this point, I would be surprised if Bryant, I haven't talked to anyone of the Cubs who've said this or anything, but I'd be surprised if Bryant's not promoted. He's pretty much destroying the Southern League. You get a half season in there, there there doesn't seem like there's any harm to sending him to Iowa at that point. Unless he's so bad at defense where he's just like looking at balls and pointing at yeah, them as they go I, by. And I don't think that's the case. No. Be, he's got 13 errors, I believe, but whoop-de-doo. He, he's got leading... Look, go to the Southern League leaderboard and click on each of the categories, and unless it's a speed-based category, Bryant's going to come up. I mean, he's not going to lead in triples, he's not going to lead in stolen bases... But uh, he's got the triple crown of all, all the slash lines covered. He's got and the he, modern day he, triple crown. And he might have the it. might have the regular triple crown too. But it's a it's a pretty monster year, and Joey Gallo is having the also, essentially the same year. He yeah, just did it, and again he did it at a lower level. But at the same time, Carolina League, Myrtle Beach, I'll take tough places to hit homers for a hundred, Alex. Mm-hmm. And, and well, there's no tough place to hit a home run for for that's the thing. For Joey, for Joey Gallo. Gallo. And I said it to someone this morning. And I'll say it again here. The only park that can hold him is Yellowstone. I yeah. might have said that on the last podcast, quite frankly. Yeah. He's just getting tired. No, I'm just kidding. Nothing I say is tired. <laughs> um, moving on to the next question. Um, Aladdin saying six, uh, Someone. Blair says. Burnside on Twitter asked, uh, Any thoughts on 40-second pick and newly crowned Baseball America College Player of the Year, A.J. Reed? Does he pitch or is he a hitter? He's a hitter. He's a hitter. You know that the pitching was a nice bonus. I don't even think that's really like a going to be a fallback position for him. He was a useful pitcher, and I think if it all fell apart, but this isn't Stetson Ali, who had 
80 power and an 80 fastball, and you say, okay, you could go either way. This is a guy who, it, it, he's going to be a hitter. He's going to be a power hitter. And then the question is, is, is he going to do everything else enough to produce? I mean, Right, and you can also just look at what they announced him as on the draft. Yeah. And it was a hitter. Right, but this is, I guess what I'm saying, though, is, is that this isn't a guy where it was a, scouts weren't having a debate. No. Um, the Orioles, uh, you know, their, their first pick, was a guy who scouts were having a debate about which guy, you know, which way he was going to come out. Nine, the ninetieth pick in the draft, and the, the Cardinals picked Flaherty too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but I think he was a little bit more consensus. But AJ Reed was very consensus. He was a hitter. He who happens to pitch. Who happened to be a, a very good pitcher in the SEC this year? But that's not really what he's uh, what he's going to be doing long term is pitching. So no, and I, I do think he's a hitter. He had an amazing year this year. There are concerns about how much of an impact that he's going to be at the, you know, in, in pro ball. We'll we'll see. You know, he was extremely productive this year. Scouts have their uh, their concerns about whether his his approach will translate over. We saw it even in the, uh, you know, we saw him in, in postseason. He's a guy who doesn't seem to be well served by uh, teams that shift. Mm, yeah, that did not work out well for him uh, late in the season. So, okay, this one I'll throw it out for you first, Bear, and then I'll. Add my thoughts, but uh, Sean Rosales uh, on Twitter asked, "Does DJ Peterson take over at first base for Seattle next year?" That's a tough one. I, I'm, I'm tempted to say no. I would agree with you, just because they've also got they've got a lot of guys who, who would play first base. And he's, what is he in low? He's in high A. Yeah, I mean, high a. I, to me, he's having a good year in high desert. Short of anything, short of. Uh, 300, 400, 600 season with 40 homers in high desert is not a great season because that of, place... Short of hitting like Gallo or Bryant. Yeah, that place is an amazing place to hit. He's still playing predominantly third base, although I've yet to come across a scout who's seen him who says that's his position long term. Um, but I think, I'll put it this way, he was the second best college bat out of last, in the first round last year, or consensus, second best power bat, I should say. Bryant's been at Double A the whole year. If you said right now is Bryant going to be in the big leagues next year as a starting fill in the blank third base whatever, I think there's a pretty good chance for that. Mm-hmm. Peterson is, I would say, at least three months behind him on the timetable. There's, I mean, he's been at High A. Maybe he gets a midseason promotion to Double A, but even if that happens, I don't think he's ready at start next. Maybe he's up at some point next year. Yeah, and I thought there were rumors today. I know that really affects next year. I'd, I'd hope Montero. that Montero was yeah, Montero's coming, coming up. So, oh my, that's not. Yeah, he replaces Michael Saunders on the roster, and he. This is truly his last chance to uh, to impact the team's long term plans. Yeah, on. when when Jack Z was saying, "Oh, he's basically not in our plans in spring training." That's that's as harsh a criticism you can get as a GM on the record. Yeah, that, that's rare. Yeah, that, that is truly rare. Um, next one is, uh, Sparky, Sparky the dork, uh, ask, what are your opinions on Caleb Cowart and Colin Moran? The first name again? Caleb Cowart, the, uh, Angels third baseman. I mean, you can take Cowart. I'll take Cowart. You know, any thoughts on Moran you want? You know, I've got some that I'm... As he's an in-athletic third baseman kind of guy, I mean, probably not there long term, I'd imagine, Correct. That's that's what I, I I've that's the seems the cons- I, the consensus I've always gotten is is I've yet to find a scout in pro ball who look at him and say he's an impact guy. Yeah, he's he's nothing that jumps out at you. There's no one 
carrying tool that I, I think that's there. I mean, I haven't seen much. He hasn't appeared in the roundup much this year. I'll say that much. John Manuel is probably the resident, um, the high man on Colin Moran. Um, he saw him a lot at North Carolina. He says he thinks he could become a B.J. Surhoff type. That's probably, I'd say right now, that's probably the high side. And why has B.J. Surhoff come up so easily? You played at North Carolina, too. And they're related. And they're related, yeah. yes. But us also we're remembering B.J. Surhoff was, it took several years in the big leagues before B.J. Surhoff was a productive big league player. Um, and then he ended up having, you know, but he had the whole catching, is he a catcher or is he not kind of thing. Moran is more of he's a third baseman. And we talked about Gallo and Gallo's, Gallo's options are he's a third baseman. If not, he's a right fielder. If not, he's a left fielder. If not, he's a first baseman. I would say with Moran, it's he's a third baseman. If not, he's a third baseman. He's a first baseman. Right. And that's where it ends. Because his real problem is, is that is he going to have – is he's got a strong arm, but is he going to have enough mobility to, to stay at the position? And then the question is, is, does he hit for enough power? It's more of an oppo approach. You know, it's, it's more line it to the opposite gap. Is that going to be an approach that, uh, that uh, as, a, as kind of a slow-footed guy, is that going to be enough at a, at a corner? And we'll, we'll, we'll see. And with Cowart? You know, Cowart, you want to see more, to be honest. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of angels who are having great years. He's, you know, right now, not one of them. You know, he, I, I think... Cam Bedrosian, I think, probably had the best year of the Cam Bedrosian having, a, having a, a good year, you know, a little struggle after he reached the majors. But to say, I, I think I tweeted something about this. For a guy who had a six ERA and low A at the end of April last year, he's in the majors now. He's in the majors just over a year later. Like move from the, he's example number eight hundred and fifty-two of how we always get the question: Well, why do you downgrade a guy if he's a reliever? Because the answer is is that because if you take anyone who's a starter and you move them to the pen, they have a pretty high likelihood of being significantly better. Cam Bedrosian, as a starter, could not get Midwest League hitters out. Cam Bedrosian, as a reliever, you turn around, is in the big leagues. Within. His minor league strikeout-to-walk numbers this year were astronomical. Like Before he was promoted from high A, I, I think he retorted 15 of 22 outs for strikeouts. Yeah, it was something absurd. It was absurd like that. You, you go from that to, you know, again, that's just the difference between starting and relieving. Next question we're jumping on to here is, uh, uh, I got a couple of uh, Reds questions. We start with an Astros question, though. Uh, this is actually from Jason Cardwell, called Cards Jason. So I don't know if he's an Astros fan with a name that's Cardwell, Cardwell, or if he's a Cards fan who is asking an Astros question. But or, he, or he's seeking an advanced scouting report for an Astros Cardinals World Series this year. No, <laughs> not this year. Um, but uh, he says, thoughts on Preston Tucker promotion, in case you didn't know. Uh, today, the Astros promoted outfielder Preston Tucker from AA, where I think he had 17 home runs, uh, to AAA. And so he'll be heading to Oklahoma City. And he's probably been one of the better sleeper guys this year. I don't think, if I remember correctly, he made the Astros top 30 coming into the season, which is not a reflection on him. It's just a reflection on how insane the Astros top 30 was. I mean, I could have easily gone 40, 45 guys deep. Um, and I think he's a name to keep an eye on. Power with plate discipline, I, again, off the top of my head, but I have been looking at Preston Tucker lately. 26 walks, 40-something strikeouts, if I remember right, at double A, you know, getting on base. 
and slugging. Uh, he's always had power. Um, you know, your nickname, nickname's Bam Bam. You, you have power. But I would not be surprised at all if we saw Tucker playing left field. He's a left fielder long term. I know he's playing right right now. He's a left fielder. I would not be surprised at all, though, if we saw Tucker in the big leagues for the Astros at some point this year um, because, for one, they still they have two outfielders now. They're up to two. Dexter Fowler and George Springer are legitimate big league outfielders. They need a third. Is it going to be Tucker long-term or is it going to be Santana? I, I wouldn't be shocked if Austin Waits, actually, who's a fourth outfielder long-term, but maybe he gets a chance to add to the uh, – to you know, get one shot at it before uh, those other guys come up. Teoscar Hernandez is in high A. Is another guy who down the road could be added to that mix. There's a there's a lot of guys that they have essentially battling for one to maybe two spots long term. Because you know, how long will Fowler be there long term? But anything you'd like to add to that, or is that that it? was that was succinct. That was good. <laughs> so, uh, so then we go to a Jesse Winker question. Um, sorry, my phone just went to sleep. So let's see here. Uh, the Duke 68, uh, who's a, a longtime question asker on the BA podcast, and I'm trying to remember. The Duke, I'm sorry, I forgot who this is, actually, but I know who, who this is, so I just forgot. Uh, would you expect a Jesse Winker promotion after the Cal Carolina League All-Star game? And your first answer is, is wait till after the Cal Carolina exactly. League All-Star game. Exactly, wait till after that game. But yeah, probably. I, I wouldn't be shocked. He's had a very good first half. The guy hits. The guy really hits. And he hits... With plate discipline, it's power with ability to hit for average, ability to get on base. Um, and I want to get a couple more reports on it, but I, I'm hearing better things about defense. Like that he's not he's not a stiff in the left field. He's not the smoothest, most graceful guy ever out there, but he's a solid left fielder. At least I'm getting some reports. I want to check some more on that. But uh, I'll be interested to hear what you see and what you hear when you're up in Wilmington next week. I, he won the Midwest League All-Star uh home run derby last year yes but how is he at the backward home run derby which we're having in in wilmington because light hitting in wilmington uh, is is like trying to hit in a cave uh, and they don't get many home runs there so they're going to take a home run derby and put the plate in center field and they're going to hit into the stands which seems like an interesting idea i feel that the press box window is probably going to get broken i think they had to do it though because i think their fear i think if gallo had been there it wouldn't have been a problem but without gallo the wind patterns at that park do not allow home runs to be hit. And so with that being the case, there was, I think, a concern like, what do you happens if you hold a home run derby and no one hits a home run? The, the 2009 home run derby in Trenton, where I covered for a million years, um, was, it, Trenton's a hard park to hit out of two. And there was not many people who hit, the, the, the thing won. was won by the high schooler with a metal bat. <laughs> um, who, who was the, mo- the most productive uh, Prospect minor league. Carlos Santana, he right. hit like two. Uh, Brian DePirac was the actual player winner, uh, but I remember Carlos Santana hit one that like barely got out. It like hugged the inside of the pole, and other than that, it was really not much of a show. So uh, Michael Taylor, I believe from the, the, the Phillies back in the day, was in it. There were some other guys who just weren't good. But well, we we thank you for the questions and. Before we wrap up, though, we have a new segment we're going to add called Poking the Bear, which is basically uh, letting the, uh, the interesting mind of Josh Norris just kind of uh, riff on a subject for a minute. To, today's subject is Twitter questions about when is so-and-so getting promoted? 
Thank you from that segue from asking Twitter questions to ranting about Twitter questions. And we love Twitter questions. We do love Twitter questions. I love interacting with Twitter followers. But there's a point where it seems that if you say anything good about a prospect, be he Chris Bryant or Joey Gallo or anybody, the next question is, when are we going to see him in the major leagues? I don't care. No, no. When are you going to see him promoted to the next level, too? Oh, I get a lot of, is he in the major leagues this year? It doesn't matter if he's at low right, well, that I, that I understand, though, from the standpoint of, fan, that's a fantasy purposes question. I'm poking the bear back. But, but if he's but in the low promotion, the, But especially, the, we were getting Joey Gallo promoted to double-A questions, like, a week into the season. Yeah, those are, those are absurd, too. And it, it goes to the point that there's more to it than the stat line. There's defense. There's how does he hit against certain pitches. There's all sorts of other factors that figure against promotion. Uh, there's if you're a catcher, there's calling games. If you're an outfielder, if you're learning a new position, it's you know, reading the ball off the bat. Uh, sometimes you just you have to grow up a little bit. You have to be a little bit more, more mature. There are a thousand other variables that go into promotions, and sometimes it's there's not an open spot to be promoted to anyway. Sometimes there's a if Christian Villanueva were hitting in Iowa, like really hitting. What do you do? Chris, do you, how do you promote Chris, Chris Bryant unless you want to change one of those two guys' positions? That's a problem. In the system I deal with this year, the, the Yankees system, there's a lot of guys, like if Greg Bird were on a tear right now in, in Tampa, if he had been healthy all year and he was hitting like he was last year in Charleston, you'd be calling for a promotion. But to where? First base in Trenton has been occupied by, among others, Peter O'Brien and Tyler Austin and a couple other guys who see time there that you know they're not going to move just yet. A lot of when you ask questions of farm directors, they'll say, you know, where are you going to move him? And that's something that goes into a promotion. Well, the other thing that goes into promotion that I'd like to add to this, um, you know, is you got to remember a promotion when you promote a guy. The worst thing that can happen, a lot of development people think, is promoting. It would. It's much better. To promote a guy a little too late than too soon. Promote a guy too late a little bit, and okay, maybe you added a couple of weeks to his development time because he lost being challenged. He stopped being challenged at the level he was at. Promote a guy too soon, you may lose a guy or you may lose months because, I mean, right now the example that jumps out is Courtney Hawkins last year. The White Sox, he had had a good couple of weeks in high A at the end of the 2012 season. White Sox decided to promote him to start the season to high A. It was too much for him. You mean well, a couple of good weeks at low A? No, he was in high A at the end of his 2012 season. He was there for the playoffs. So they thought, okay, we'll keep him in high A. He wasn't ready for it. Spent the whole year there. Then you have the whole debate of, do you demote a guy back to a lower level? Do you keep him there? He's back there this year, and I don't know if he's going to get promoted at the halfway point. You lose development time that way. Teams, it's, teams are all, um, with very few exceptions, they like challenging guys. But you want to see a guy, the scout, I like how scouts put it. They'll tell you when they're ready. If you're getting reports as the farm director every day saying nothing, no one's challenging. Like Joey Gallo, when they did get promoted, they had to promote him because it was like it had gotten around the league that and he, it was a learning experience for him that he showed he could lay off pitches where no pitcher would throw to him. And, okay, I'm going to get two pitches today to hit, and i got to do something with those. And he did. Mm-hmm. Well, at some point, though, you say, okay, he's just too good for this league. That wasn't in April. In, in, this, again, in the Yankee system, it was Rob Refsnyder. 
in his last 13 games at Double A, he had something like nine multi-hit games and was just he was making loud line drive contact everywhere. And he's working on his defense at second base because he was an outfielder in college. But it came to a point where you know second base or no second base, he was hitting too much for the Eastern League, and they did have to move him to Triple A. And so they did, and he got two hits in his first game, and they had an off day last night. But that was one of the. It's rare. Mookie Betts was had simply exceeded the uh, the capacity of the Eastern League to hold him. Yes, and there's a funny story there that I'll tell off air probably. Yeah. We're gonna our, save it, you know. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't want to put all our best stuff on the podcast, right? Um, Thanks for subscribing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to the super secret podcast to get after hours director's cut. Uh, but that's the that's the point. It takes time with promotions. It's not just a week or two good weeks at a level. There's a lot of stuff that go in there goes in there and even if your guy gets promoted to the big leagues, it's not necessarily going to cure all that ails your big league club. There's not too many guys, be they Gallo, be they Bryant, be they... Be they Polanco. Be they Polanco. Who are going to be the magic elixir at, at, at the level and turn the Pirates into pennant winners. They, I mean, I guess Puig kind of helped with the Dodgers, but there were well, a lot of other factors. Ramirez helped them out yeah, a lot, lot of other factors, too. Puig, Puig by himself couldn't do it all, so... He tried. He did a lot. In summation, be patient with your prospects. But at the same time, keep keep hitting us up for your Twitter questions. Absolutely. Again, he's Jay Norris four two seven. I'm JJ Coop thirty six. This has been a uh, another episode of JJ and the Bear. Uh, thanks for uh, for all the uh, questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the download. And we will talk to you hopefully again next week. We'll be talking to you post All Star games. Mm-hmm. And the futures games will be getting ready to. We're getting closer. Getting closer. So thanks again, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.